So, you are also a man of faith. Yep. Uh, what is it like to, how does your faith influence the, your decisions you make, uh, the music you play, or uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Because there's a lot of, the music world begin, be, can be very uh, unchristlike. Yeah, it, special events allow a much uh, more specific clientele uh, and a much more, you know, much more professional presentation than what some, you know, music avenues would allow you. Um, or expect of you. Um, and so I've found that moving from the club industry um, into special events has allowed that to feel less, you know, contradicting. Mm. Um, and for me personally, it really, um, my, you know, you can say you work construction, just keep bringing it back to that, but say you work really any job, say you're a police, say you're like whatever it is, um, police officer. Um, you know, you're going to be around a lot of people who are not Christians um, in a lot of those cases. And the environment, the conversations, the, like, words, words used. You know, music is words and music. You know, you have instruments and words. Mm -hmm. um, and at your, you know, at your place of work, you also have a bunch of words coming around. So what do those, what do those conversations, how do those conversations affect you? How do you work within those, you know, environments and still be, you know, still feel not broken down? How do you feel that you're not being like pressured negatively? Um, and that does definitely have to do with your own personality, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, can you be confident in who you are in God and still do, still be a part of these other environments that might not bring him into it all the time? Um, and so, you know, when I say conversations, they could be crude conversations, they could be explicit conversations, um, music can be crude, it can be explicit. Yeah. Um, the environment that you're DJing in also visually is affected differently too. So um, being out of the club scene, you know, where there might be go-go dancers and stuff like that, um, being out of that is a better, you know, it's the environment that I would show my kids at a special event is a crowd that is there to have a great time. Um, and it's a little different than the crowd that would show up to a club or to a bar or whatever, you know, wherever you'd be playing your music. Um, and so that environment itself, I feel that the environment you surround yourself in, um, how visually, you know, affecting it is to you matters also. Can you be around other people who are cursing? If you don't, if you don't curse as a Christian, can you be around people who are cursing and still not curse? Mm -hmm. um, do you feel the pressure to do so? Do you feel, and that pressure is enough of a reason to want another job, you know, because you're constantly feeling like you don't fit. You constantly, like, if that's how you feel. If you're not feeling that way, if you are who you are and you maintain who you are, who you believe you should be, and who you believe God wants you to be, then you can still remain in areas like that, not let it affect you, and in fact be a better effect to other people. Um, and so I do personally play what the client wants. Um, I, it doesn't necessarily, uh, in many times, it doesn't actually reflect my beliefs, um, but the music is fantastic, you know? Uh, the music is danceable. It's a lot of fun. Um, but even stuff that isn't danceable, that sounds, you know, 
like take yourself into like some like smooth stuff you know what i mean or r&b you know the, the lyrics even though it sounds like a more uh listenable you know in our lancashire county culture area you know something somebody could hear musically and they're like oh that sounds nice mm-hmm. <laughs> um i was in a hardcore band and we didn't talk about that earlier um but i was a drummer in a hardcore band we were a christian hardcore band well hardcore doesn't mean you're it doesn't mean you're, you're demon, you right, know, yes. like you're devil worshipers. You know, it doesn't mean like you're you're bringing in demons to this place. In fact, we were exactly the opposite, and our our lyrics reflected that. The way we acted um, off stage reflected that, um, and at home reflected that too. So um, the style of music some people could consider offensive, and that mm-hmm. didn't even have to do with the lyrics. The lyrics of music some people could consider offensive, and the style isn't even offensive to them, but the lyrics are. Um, so it just depends on where you're at in your confidence, to be honest. I'm not saying that for everybody it would be okay to play that music. And I don't play some of the music that I play to adults to my children at home. Of course. Absolutely. Um, as a um, you know, as a professional company also, the majority of events that we do um, are – are going to be having they're going to have a professional demeanor to them um meaning that if it's an overly explicit song it just might not be the right fit right um and so it is up to the the client you know to choose what kind of an environment they want and we will do our best to give them that environment but if it's outside of something that like if right off the bat they're like hey we want this and this um, at our event, and I don't just mean music, but I've heard of events that have had, like weddings, that have had things that have been like demeaning to individuals, mm. um, like high, high-end weddings. Um, obviously, they, they could be low-end weddings too, but they were bringing in like an actual circus um, with certain depictions that were not encouraging um, to see, and it wasn't supportive of all individuals to see. And so uh, I didn't DJ that event. I heard about it through somebody who else uh, who did the audio production for the event. Um, but those types of things can happen too. And so if, if that was like, if they're like, this is our vision. And I'm like, that really doesn't fit our, you know, our goal as a company. It doesn't fit the professional, you know, approach that we like as a company. Um, if somebody from the outside came to this event, how would they feel? Um, you know, we can say no. And that's the cool thing about being a business owner. You're not, you're not told what to do unless you've, unless you've consented to that. (laughs) You know, if you take the client on, you're accepting to be told what to do. Um, but if you, um, yeah, if you don't like what you, if you don't like what you're seeing with that client, and even if you feel it's not the right fit, once you get more into, uh, limiting your, you know, with supply and demand, you only have so much you can supply. For any given size of company, there's only so much you can supply. If your demand is higher than what you can supply, you can either supply more and fulfill all demand, um, or you can supply a little less and figure out what demand you want to fulfill. Mm -hmm. Um, So what clients do you want to work with? What type of work do you want to do? And I would say other individuals in the art like in the arts within special events, so photographers and videographers, they very much choose many times who they want to work with. 
Um, and if somebody's coming in and they came to them because they were referred to them versus they saw their work and they were like, we love your work, we want you to do our wedding, or we want you to shoot our corporate event because we love the vision you have um, and how you make that come out. Like videographers have a little bit more in, in message than what a photographer does within a single image. You can give a message within many images, um, but a videographer gives you the ability to actually, you know, tell a short story. Yeah. So, and I'm sure your faith influences the way you treat your clientele and, and your uh, venues as well. Uh, it should. <laughs> yeah, it, sh it should. To be consistent, absolutely. Um, I don't necessarily, you know, let your, let your faith and let your actions speak for you because that's what people see. That's, the that's what builds relationship too. And relationship is what builds respect. And respect is what builds the ability to have a conversation with somebody about things that might be a little bit contradictory to them or how they're living their life. I'm not saying that you try to create a relationship with somebody so that you can actually, <laughs> you know, preach to them or teach them something um, verbally. But even through your action, if you create a relationship with somebody, that respect draws them to you. Respect draws somebody to somebody, right? Like, and this is, I, this is not from any specific like reading that I've done or anything. It's just applicable. Um, if you respect somebody, you like being with them. And most likely, if you can apply it to your life, you wouldn't mind being more like them. Right. It, it's, it's the way that you interact with people that shows the, the love of Christ anyway. Um, because you're being influenced by the Bible and they're going to see that that you're being influenced by your faith and, and that's going to make you who you are. If that's going to draw them to you, then that just opens the door for, for you know, better relationship, better life, better community with each other. Yeah, entirely. And that was the same when we were, when I was in a band as a drummer, you know, we were in an industry, hardcore, like in this case, cool thing is, is hardcore uh, kind of, became creative and was continued to be creative through Christian bands as creative as non-Christian bands are. If you guys listen to a lot of music, you do typically uh, see the secular industry coming in with the creativity first mm -hmm. and then the Christian, you know, yeah, copy, copy if you will. Yeah, bit, you yeah. start to see like wherever the music is moving, it's the secular world that's really bringing that first um, experience. But hardcore was honestly like it. They both came in at the same time. I mean, and some of the, some of the OGs, some of the older classics of hardcore, if you will, like Living Sacrifice and Zayo were expressly, you know, oh, wow. Christian bands. Um, and that's like towards the beginning of, you know, I would say coming out of like the ska punk stuff, going into the harder rock, harder than hardcore, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so we, as a band, we were respected by our performance. Um, and that's typically the way you are respected as a band or as a vocalist. Um, you are respected by your skill, and then that brings, obviously, their interest to you, but then it also brings conversations. So we could meet with people immediately at the end of an event, um, an event at the end of a show um, as, a, you know, as a band, and like the, the conversations we would have with people would have never happened if we didn't actually have you know, if we didn't build the respect through our performance. Um, so your action really matters. Um, me as a DJ, 
and so forth. So what was it like to uh, tour as that band? What was it like to were, – were you – I assume that you weren't maybe the, the leader, the facilitator of the band, but what was it like to join and make music as a hardcore Christian band? So, yeah, I was in the band from the very beginning, but I wasn't the front man. I wasn't the vocalist, and people typically see the vocalist mm -hmm. as the front person unless you're somebody who has an extraordinary set of skills and you really, like, shine in the back as a drummer, for instance. Um, like Phil Collins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, yeah, um, yeah, there's other hardcore bands also that have had drummers be sort of, like, a primary face mm -hmm. of the com or of the band as well or the company it's both um and so yeah so you're like for me um i was the drummer the drummers understand what it takes to lift and carry and organize cuz you have more gear than the rest uh hardcore stuff we were doing full stacks so you know each guitarist would have a full stack um and my parents this was end of high school, uh, this was like junior, senior year of high school, a year after high school, and then going into my college, first year of college, um, was when I was a part of the band. Um, and so my parents were the ones that owned the van. Uh, we practiced in my parents' basement. Um, and so because of all of that, if it was in my friend's basement and I kept like a set of drums there, most likely there would be them doing a little bit more work. But I did a lot of the organization of like the setup, mm -hmm. teardown, and, um, and again, I'm an organized individual, and so that kind of worked out, but it also, you know, the drummers tend to do a lot of the lifting. <laughs> I'm sure that really set you up for your DJ experience. It really did, yeah. When I'm lifting 18-inch woofers in, three-way mains with 15-inch bottoms, you know, the, the mixers themselves aren't light, flight cases, racks, yeah. Right. Uh, so what kind of tours did you do? How, where did you guys go? So the majority of what we did, honestly, were in... Honestly, the Lancaster, the Reading, you know, the Harrisburg areas. Mm -hmm. um, we had a super strong scene here, and a, a few larger bands came out of our area. Um, but uh, we would, you know, the tour that we did, the longer tour that we did, I we started in Ohio, so we kind of did like a Northeast tour. So we, I don't know if we did anything on the way out to Ohio, but we did things all the way on the way back from Ohio. So we like, we went out to Ohio, we came um, back through PA, we went up into New York, up into Maine. We went all the way up to Maine and then back down through. Um, so it was like a very northeast, you know, section of the U.S. Um, but we were doing that with other bands as well. We would kind of show up. Uh, we wouldn't necessarily always caravan together. We wouldn't necessarily always, you know, sleep in the same parking lot together <laughs> um, and stuff like that. But we would show up and we would be doing the same shows together. And it was an absolute blast. Um, if you ever have the, this is for you listening, if you ever have the opportunity to be in a band and get shows, um, do it. If you, if you have the time to do it, especially if you're younger, do it. It was literally some of the best years of my life. And you're going to get invaluable experience and invaluable uh, just people to know if you go on tour, especially because it those are people that you probably will have never, ever met if you hadn't gone on tour. Right. Ever. Yeah. Never. And some of these connections that you make, like some of the connections that I made when I went on my uh, road trip around the U.S. Uh, have really come through really come through I, now now next road trip i'm going i'm going to hit nashville again i'm going to be hanging out with some really cool people because of, of some of the connections that not only that i made through through doing this but uh through the last 
last time I went through. It's amazing how many people you can meet if you're just in a band, first off. Because people are going to be like, wow, I love you, and this is awesome. You should come over to this place and hang out with these people. And and it's just networking is so important for a band. Yeah. Uh, networking is everything for a band, especially if you're trying to make money doing it. Exactly. I mean, if you're just playing out for fun, you can really do whatever you want, wherever you want, and you're just having fun. And that's awesome, too. So enjoy it if that's your thing. Um, but if you want to make it a career, just like I talked about starting a business, you need to meet people. You need to you know, put things out there. You need to put yourself out there. You need to be found. Um, social media is not all of that. Um, back when I was in a band, there was uh, MySpace and Zanga. Half the people true. listening, yeah, half I, the people listening MySpace. don't even know Zanga. Uh, that was like a blog, if you will. That okay. was kind of the first social media. Um, it was a blog where you could comment, you could give e-props, which were likes. Um, <laughs> you could customize your page. It was like, yeah. Uh, and then MySpace came out, and then MySpace came out for bands. Um, we were doing, I think it was called Pure Volume. Almost positive that's what it was. Pure Volume was like a band-specific like social media gotcha. thing. So you could create your own Pure Volume account. Um, and so we as a band did that. Um, and that's literally how people would listen to our music. You know, Most wow. people weren't necessarily buying a CD right off the bat. Right. Um, and we weren't recording right off the bat. We made music. We'd play music live, but we never played music to be recorded at the start. And then, because you have to afford that, like you have to pay right. for a producer to do that, you have to pay for studio time. And so, we, you know, first off, we were all relatively young, and no parents were putting money into the band. No, like, and none of us had some random job that had an absolute, you know, lucrative, you know, money money pit that was just pumping it into us. Um, and so we were just trying to make money through merch at at the start of things, and then we started recording. And then once you did record, you know, you could put that up on Pure Volume, then MySpace, then, yeah. And so that, that was like five years, you said? That was for like four years that we did. Yeah, that we did. And this, by the way, would have been back because I graduated high school in 06. Okay. So this would have been like 05, 06, 07, and 08. So why did, did it just like fall apart or did you guys just like, all right, we're going to do something different now? Or? That was just where, I mean, I had to put the effort into either the band or college when I was mentioning that earlier. Gotcha. And so, you know, college, I went to Penn State. So I've got to study for that stuff. Weekends really are big homework or paper weekends, you know. Um, and I was working jobs throughout the time as well. And so finding the time to actually sh like gig do shows, um, practice with the band. We, you know, we would do that at least once a week, um, and that was hours long. And so, putting that in, a part of it just like took too much away from college. So for me, I knew that it was either one or the other. Um, you can make college work. To those of you who are trying to do, you know, considering being in a band and going to college, especially if you're going for music, right? Um, but if you're not going for music, you can definitely make a band thing work. You just have to. That has to be where you put all you know all of your extra effort so if you wanted to socialize with anybody else you know can't. you can't it's with the band you're hanging out with the band you're practicing with the band you're gigging with the band and then you're writing your papers you're going to college you're going to your classes um you know i did a heavier course load as well i pretty much most i don't think i ever did one semester i think i did less than 18 credits but i think everything else was like 18 plus hmm. so that's that's impressive that's what it was like for me here I, 18 plus credits uh it's 
astounding how little time you you actually have in yeah. college. Um, going back to some, kind of like generic questions now, but one interesting thing that we had talked about on our pre-call was uh, your last name and how that has given you some opportunity, strangely enough. Yeah, it's given some unique opportunity. There, are, So I tried to choose a name, which DJ Mast Productions, Mast is my actual last name. Uh, it took me about literally about like two, three months to figure out okay, this is exactly what I'm going to go with um, because I was going through other DJ names and there was a ton of DJs with any given like super cool DJ name. There was like a bunch of DJs that had it already. Mm -hmm. um, unless you were like a superstar DJ, had your name trademarked and nobody else can utilize it. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of DJs in any, you know, in other areas. So you might, if you're a small DJ and you're doing bars and stuff like that, Pick out whatever name you want, and you should be fine so long as nobody in the immediate area has it. Right. But if you want to start doing more events and you want to start branching out other than, you know, your little watering hole, if you will, um, of, of, you know, bars and restaurants and stuff like that, then you want to make sure that your name transcends a decent amount of things. Um, one thing I was not checking was the translation of MAST, M-A-S-T, into like every language, right? Like mm -hmm. I didn't look at the translation because I wasn't expecting to do any other language events when I first started. Um, so it means something in Hindi. <laughs> actually, yeah, it it actually means like, well, so somewhere, I, some places it's like somebody who's fun and some places it's like somebody who got drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've had a few laughs with like some clients who, and some of them, like they have no problem apparently booking me as DJ Mast. Um, but it, it made a good like icebreaker, if you will, between their wedding party and me. Um, and there's, I think there's a DJ Mast that I can't actually find. I haven't looked too hard, but he's in California. There's also one out in, uh, I think he's French. And so he's over in Europe. Um, he does more of the club scene, um, and he's actually pretty strong in the club scene. I don't know if he still is or not. I haven't, I haven't looked it up much cause I'm not changing my name anytime soon. Um, but so there's like two other DJs. The one is in Europe. I'm not even worried about him cause right. he's doing clubs and stuff like that. He's doing festivals. And then the other one is, um, you know, in California, but I do get calls because there's a Lancaster, California. There's a Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Right. Um, so I get calls just because they might type. Um, you know, DJ Mast in Lancaster, for yeah, instance, right. or somewhere, California, Lancaster, California, it still would hold, um, for search, you know, search stuff, it would still kind of create a, a stronger search. Um, so yeah, so I'll get calls. Um, and I do, you know, anybody who wants to hire me, it doesn't matter the genre that I'm DJing, the skill of DJing transcends that. again, transcends the, the different cultures and genres. Um, but you have to understand, you know, that culture to play the music that they want. So doing your research ahead of time, the first, um, yeah, the first Indian wedding I did, I, I did a lot of research on. Um, mm -hmm. And giving your client the ability to give you, and a lot of what I do now, if it, if there is, if it is an Indian wedding, usually it's not Indian on both sides. Usually it's a mixed wedding. Um, and if it is a, if it is an all Indian wedding on both sides, usually the, the bride and groom are relatively like U S and cultured and yet they want to bring in their cultures more as well. 
So that can go, you know, into the Spanish Latin market. That can go into like all sorts of different genres, mm -hmm. all sorts of different backgrounds. You apply the same thing. You want to bring in some of the classics for the older crowd, um, and some of the newer stuff, maybe from that same, you know, from their area. Um, so you know, playing Bollywood stuff, whatever's like what whatever their pop stuff is now too, um, and just understanding that, understanding the client, getting some of those specific suggestions if they have a parent or an aunt and uncle or somebody who's older who really wants it, um, just say, hey, include their requests in it if you like them as well. And that way I can make sure that I have it because some tracks are literally not even accessible through iTunes right. or Amazon. Or Spotify even. Or, yeah, or, or even Spotify. And so some people, depending on their culture, some people actually just listen to YouTube all day long. They'll listen to YouTube playlists of Indian music or, or something you know else where – their music is specifically just mm -hmm. on YouTube because that's a, a worldwide thing. Right. Um, but Spotify, I'm assuming, has certain licensing for the U.S. versus elsewhere. Um, and, you know, Amazon and, uh, you know, right. iTunes if or Apple Music. American, then yeah. not. Yeah. So um, what are maybe some of the bigger mistakes that maybe you or you've seen other people make and how how – What's some advice to get around that, or what what are some things that we can uh, avoid for future DJs or future business owners? So I never made so I started being a DJ because I saw the needs to like certain needs to make a difference to be different than those other DJs. Play the music mm -hmm. that the client wants. Um, have the attitude that the client is looking for. Don't make it about you unless the client somehow genuinely wants it to be more about the DJ than about them. Right. Um, and so I saw those needs right off the bat. I would hear people talk about how DJs at this wedding or the special event just like played nothing for the crowd that they wanted. Um, and so I'm like, that's that's like your first thing. Like understand. Your job. <laughs> yeah. Understand your client and play what they want. And again, that goes across all different types of DJs. That goes for your type. Like when you switch genres as a band, you lose following. Yes. Like when you don't play what the club wants, they get the wrong people and you lose clients. When you don't play for special events, mm -hmm. you lose. when you don't play what they want for special events, you lose clients. Um, and so that, that was the number one thing, focusing specifically on your client, play what they want, have a professional understanding like know be a professional know what you're playing know your music well um but play what they want and if you think it's going to go one way better than um another way and it's not in the specific area that the bride and groom or the corporate client is is had requested approach them and just say hey yeah. th i think this is going to work really well with the crowd are you okay they're, whether requests have come in or whether you just have your intuition that it's going to work better this way, is it okay if I try this out? And if it works really well, are you okay if I continue with that for a little while? Um, and literally touching base with them throughout oh, the yeah. night. And that's all you have to do for that. Um, equipment is key. Um, that should come as a standard. Me, you know, Being a DJ, you should come with good gear as a standard. If you are coming with Lower quality gear. If you're coming with half the tools to a construction job because you don't have the money to, or you didn't want to put the money in to get 
the other tools, it's going to take you twice as long. You're going to be less efficient. It's going to not be done nearly as clean. It's going to give you a bad rap. You're going to see that throughout the DJ situation as well. If it's not good audio, you're going to hear bad audio. If it's not good equipment, either you're not going to have the tools to do what you need to do. If you didn't bring enough equipment, you're not going to have the tools you need to do what you need to do. So, you know, bring the right number of microphones. Yes. Um, And so, you know, this is to anybody who's, you know, considering going into DJing and not working for DJ Master Productions, um, bring more than one microphone because otherwise you're making your announcements, you're making all of your MC facilitating stuff, and then you're either handing somebody your microphone to do it or they're actually having to walk over to your booth because you don't even have a wireless microphone yet. Yeah. Um, and so those types of things, you know, bring the gear that you should bring. Um, it's going to take effort. Speakers audio like you can't go loud without going heavy yet mm-hmm. it's going to be heavy even if it's small and it's extremely loud it's going to be heavy um and so your quality is going to mean effort loading in is going to take effort understand how to load in again taking care of the venue space and and not screwing anything up don't scratch floors don't slide things around don't hit door jams um you know don't hit chandeliers with tables poles Trust me, I've seen it. Ha- really? Yeah, I've, I've seen it happen. Well, yeah, as you're like, as you're lifting tables, anything, oh, anything gotcha, that gotcha, goes gotcha. above your head, watch, right. watch what's above your head. If you, if it's a drop ceiling, you could knock out the panels. But if yeah. it's drywall, you could nick that. If it's a chandelier and it's super expensive, you could break that. Yeah. Um, just things like that. If you're bringing in trussing, you know, make sure you understand where you're putting it. Look ahead, look up when you're, you know, moving it and stuff like that. And when you put things down, base plates, they're all metal. If you're not putting rubber on the bottom of your base plates, don't slide them. Don't adjust them without lifting them ever. Speakers, even on the floor, lift them before you adjust them. You could either leave a black streak on a a floor. Yes, you can typically rub that off if it's rubber. Um, But you could also have a stone that you didn't know was underneath your subwoofer, and you're dragging your subwoofer across the floor thinking it's just rubber feet. Well, that stone just scored the entire floor, and now you're – and this is where your insurance comes in. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, this is why you LLC. <laughs> so, so be insured. You can insure also as a you know as a sole proprietorship. You can insure anywhere oh. in that realm. Um, the insurance of an LLC is beyond your insurance. Uh, the assurance of an LLC is beyond your insurance. I should say. So it separates your personal life right. with your business. But then you also have to understand how to run your business too. Make sure you keep enough money in the business to run it and to handle any issues that come up. Because if you are just trans- transferring all your money directly into your personal account and you have no money to handle any issues uh, that might arise, then that's where legally um, they can start to pierce that p- corporate veil a little bit more because it's mm-hmm. like, look, they're not operating as a separate entity. They're operating as an individual, but they have a separate entity name. Right. Um, and then if there's enough reason for negligence and so forth, um, you can break through an LLC to go after an individual. And that's where it gets dicey. Yeah. <laughs> Very <quickly>. So, so <laughs> again, you know, do things professionally. Be professional and think ahead about stuff. Um, that when I'm talking about, like, speakers are heavier, you know, if, if you want a full range speaker, it's going to be bigger than your small, at least across your full spectrum of decibel projection. So like at certain loudnesses, you know, you want full range as much as possible. Certain speakers will get louder, but you're not going to get a full range once right. you get louder. Um, and that's to protect the speaker because it can't handle it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's for me. I've always wanted quality to come first. And so you get 18-inch subwoofers and three-way mains at your baseline package. That's for parties, corporate events, weddings, formals. And then ceremonies, we run an advanced feedback suppressor in the background. Um, I'll actually, you know, I'm sitting there and EQing everybody. I have multiple, many multiple mics. Um, many multiples. I have, I have, I have multiple mics, and I don't, I don't just like mean two or three. I can bring in more than that if I need to. If I need to mic up a band, I can do that. I have the inputs available for that. Wow. Um, and again, just, and then understanding where audio is best heard. That's your ears are designed to hear forward. If you can. If at all possible, putting the speakers where people are looking for ceremonies, for speaking engagements in general. Speakers project from up front towards your ears, and then it broadens the speaker. Even if it's a small room, it still broadens your speaker's voice so that volume doesn't need to be as high at any one individual area. It broadens it. It gives the clarity the same for those who are in the back as those who are already in the front and hearing it much more close. I'm just saying, having worked at a, a different DJ company, you do a lot more than what we did. And this, I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah. So it definitely, we if you do. want a cool experience, definitely check out Mr. DJ Mast. Uh, I have a few more questions, and then we'll wrap it up. What is one thing that you know now that you wish you had known when you first started your business? So when I was talking about, you know, if you're going to start a business and kind of how you want to get things started. Um, if I knew I wanted to start a business and it does come from some security, like to go out and do something comes from the security of either knowing your skill that you have a market because of your skill, or it comes from the security of a financial, you know, net that you have. So you have financial security to give yourself time to figure those things out. Um, that being said, you know, getting immediately out of college doesn't necessarily give you a ton of security. Um, <laughs> you might have that security in your skill, and hopefully that is the case. Um, if you are confident in your own personality, that's cool, um, and that will help you very much. Um, but also understand you don't have a whole lot at risk, so you don't need much to be secure for. So if you're younger, it's easy to get into something new. If you have a family, it's very different because you're actually providing for the livelihood of your family. And if that changes, it changes everything in your whole life. So your, mm-hmm. your schedule changes. If you have to end up taking an employment job you know, as an employee versus running a company, um, you're going to then have completely different hours in most cases, unless you're in the same industry that you were in. Um, you're going to have like different hours. You're going to have different expectations. You are no longer in charge of your own schedule. You can't choose things yourself. It's your employer who chooses those. So that would then change your family's lifestyle. So give yourself some type of confidence and security to go into it and then go into it all out. Um, become a professional as fast as possible. Don't be try, don't, don't try to enter into an industry where you want to give people advice and you don't have any real warrant to give that advice. Right. That, that was something I had to do uh, in order to start the podcast because I didn't know what to do to how to start a podcast. I didn't know how to facilitate something. A lot of this was just a bunch of uh, winging it, quote unquote. But I had done DJing, so I figured, you know, okay, maybe a pre-interview call would be smart because uh, that's what you do with your, your, your wedding people. You always call the bride and groom several times, most likely. Uh, in order to set the set the date, make sure people know what's going on, and 
double check your list, check it twice. Yep. Make sure everything is naughty or nice. <laughs> uh, He's making jokes I'm out making here. Jokes. Um, and making sure that you have the uh, ability to give your audience what they desire. Knowing your audience is so important. Yep. If you don't know your audience, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, know your audience. You know, if you want to go into finance, like finance is a thing where a lot of people, you know, they want to sell, you know, financial packages, planning, yeah. whatever it is. Um, that's something you can get into. If you want to get into real estate, these are some of the things that like, you know, are easy to get into and aren't easy to like perfectly master. And I shouldn't even or say perfectly. Grow. Or, or yeah, to grow well and to grow in, you know, to grow both in skill and offerings. Mm-hmm. Um and so if you want to be a realtor, if you want to be in finance, know the stuff inside and out. Don't just go to their classes um, and give the spiel that they, you know, teach to you just in those classes to sell because that will sell to the average person. But to somebody who wants to just come, not just once, so somebody who wants to come and get something done right, somebody who wants to come and who's going to be loyal to whoever is best. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe loyalty isn't even a great option because this is who I am. Like, um, I'm loyal to my friends, but if another company offers a better service or product, I'm going to I'm going to purchase it. I don't need something because it's a brand name. I need it because it's it's Good. what I need, and it's and it's going to fulfill it well. Um, and so, if somebody else comes out with something, so if I'm using um, one brand now and somebody makes something better, man, I'm making the switch, and I have no regrets whatsoever. Some people are brand, you know, Dependent, loyal, yeah. um, and and a lot of people are, and that's what advertising does. That's what, you know, that's that stuff is to create brand loyalty um, without even, you know, it's to, it's to educate a little bit, but it's really just being front of mind, and those people just go for what they recognize. Um, so do what you do really well. Understand it well. Understand the conversations you have with people. If you don't have the answer. Don't just get somebody to get the answer. Get it yourself from whoever can give you an answer. If you need somebody to teach you, learn it yourself. All right. So, yeah. What sorry. is no, no, that's good. What is the worst or best thing, funniest thing that ever happened to you on a show? Mm, so, honestly, this is probably um, this is probably the the worst that I would ever consider happening. Um, I, this was back when I had started, and I had just gotten a ceremony rig, and it was a 2.4 gigahertz rig, which is, to those listening, it was a Wi-Fi mic system versus a UHF, a radio frequency mic system. Um, and that Wi-Fi mic system, to those who don't understand, like, digital transfers versus, like, radio transfers, digital is a bunch of ones and zeros. If it doesn't complete the sequence of communication, it cuts out altogether. Mm-hmm. There's no fuzzy. There's no, you know, there's no, there's no. It's either it's there or it's not. There's no warning. It's there or it's not. If it doesn't complete that sequence, the whole sequence goes blank, which means it's it's blank. Mm-hmm. Um, UHF gives you, uh, yeah, it gives you it gives you wiggle room. It gives you some difference in distance and stuff like that um, that you can actually project. But what I did was I set my booth. So my speakers were still up front, left and right, the way your ears are designed mm-hmm. to hear. But my booth was in the back right corner, and I ran all my cables up front. What that meant was my receiver, all my receivers were in the back right corner. And 
I've been told by videographers to this day, and this is why this is why there's a demand for good DJs uh, and a demand for good companies of DJs. Um, DJs still just push through cutouts constantly for events. Videographers tell me that because they're the ones recording the feed out of these DJs. And it's not all DJs, but there's some that don't care about cutouts. To me, the crowd had stood up for a time of worship, which was a cappella, but they had some, you know, introduction to it and stuff like that. And, uh, and it cut out a couple times during like the instruction. And I like, I'm a perfectionist, and if you're a perfectionist, you know what it feels like to feel like you failed something. Yes. Um, I considered that a failure um, because it it wasn't it wasn't perfect, and it wasn't even like it didn't get the message through because it cut out. And so after that, I created a standard for myself. I knew where I was going to set up for reception, and I also invested in better microphones, or I'm sorry, better antennas to receive. Um, and, and better microphones. They're not <laughs> 2.4 gigahertz. I'm running Sennheisers. They also have 2.4 gigahertz options. Sure has 2.4 gigahertz options. And some of their top line are Wi-Fi options now. Um, but for me, I've invested in Sennheiser, you know, radio frequency ones. And so getting a unidirectional paddle antenna is so key to get that extra range that you need. So these antennas are stronger um, and they are focused, so they don't try to pick up everywhere. They try to pick up a specific space um, that you're trying to actually receive from, which means um, it just boosts the signal and the clarity of that signal. And so investing in that, which they're not cheap, and you do have to set them up. I mean, you're looking, I don't know, they're like 250 300 bucks a piece um, for a paddle antenna. So, you know, it's, a, it's an investment, and to somebody who's like just starting or whatever, they're like, oh, man, you don't need it. If you're going to be close enough, right? But you have to be close enough. If you're outside, you don't have a dome above you. The atmosphere, although we might have more, more whatever emissions going into our atmosphere, it's not a solid ceiling, and it sure is pretty high up. So you're losing a signal everywhere. If you if you consider um, exploding a paint bomb, okay, that paint is going to explode in a general radius. If you put a single piece of paper out. The amount of paint that you originally had in the bomb compared to the amount of paint you have on the paper is, is like, I mean, it's nominal. Right. What you have on the paper is not even close to the amount of paint that was exploded in that bomb. And that's what you're trying to do with an antenna with a receiver for a microphone. The microphone's transmitting everywhere. You're receiving it from one small area. So if you can take a larger blade, you know, or increase the size of your paper, you catch a lot more. So last question. Yeah. As a Christian, what is worship to you? Worship to me is praising God for who he is and what he's done. Um, and that is the, the broadest way I can describe that. Um, worship isn't necessarily always music. Mm -hmm. um, worship is your posture, your attitude towards God. Do you thank him? Because that's a way of worship. You can, you can worship people with your people or God, um, with the way you, um, with the amount of attention you give them, uh, with how you communicate to them or how you listen to them, how you let them communicate to you. Um, but yeah, worship, uh, in a dedicated, you know, worship music situation. Um, it's trying to take that music and allow it to clear your, your mind a little bit more so that you can be more focused on your conversation with God, your worship with God and applying that to your life. Um, the more, the more I worship, 
the more I realize, like I am, I'm learning like so much with it. Uh, and I'm just down at the very bottom level of, of what I feel like I should be relationship wise with God. Um, I want to those who say God is like my friend and I actually have memories I have like a feeling of my past. Like we have a relationship. We've built this. Like a forever friend, you know, a friend that you grew up with. Like that type of person that you know, you feel you know, and you communicate and you do know. I want that relationship with God myself. Um, and so I'm finding out what's my best scenario to have that. I have a lot going on in my head um, constantly with owning a business, with having two kids that are, wild Wild. um and with having a relationship with my wife that i am working to grow um and deepen and make better there's a lot going on um but to those of you guys who are listening if you know i'm sure there's some people who go to lbc who aren't christian as well i mean i know you're at a bible college but you don't you don't need to be a christian to go to a bible college um yeah well (laughs) maybe maybe they ask you to (laughs) okay they ask you to uh to pledge some things um, but it really is your heart that yeah. that is like where is um, where is your relationship with God and God sees your heart. So focusing that, no matter what you're doing in life, no matter how many many mistakes you're making right now, it's where are you focused? Where do you look? So I'm trying to focus to God, and they say you know there is only one path to God and that is your focus, but your paths might look different. Yes. So you are all coming from different areas of the world. God's in one area. He's never changing. He is who he is. He is himself. And so you're going to create a different path to get to to him, your destination. But you have to look at him to actually follow that path straight. Um, You want to make your path as straight as you can with as little squiggles as possible because the squiggles just take you away from him. They elongate your your journey to a relationship with him. Yeah. Whatever. What a what a way to end it off on <laughs> a really deep one. I, I've had a lot of fun, man. Thanks. This dude. has been great. So definitely check out uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, DJ Mass Productions, and check him out on his website, djmass.com. How far out are you scheduled into? We're I mean we're in 2024 right now, um, but we're not heavily in 2024. So we've got tons of dates available that year 2023 i'm only about half booked for the year but it does mean the primary dates a lot of them are taken up so i'm getting a lot of inquiries for dates that i don't have available here's a question before I, uh, one last question that I've, i really wanted to ask and i forgot about uh how do you manage the different seasons because there's like a wedding season and then there's a not wedding season what do you do uh to bridge those gaps depending on how busy you are uh there's a wedding season and there's a booking season uh Bookings, and this is the industry, it's awesome for weddings specifically. Uh, Even corporate events fall into their own seasons as well. Corporate events typically actually fall into the the holiday parties and maybe a summer, you know, company uh, employee or client appreciation type day. Um, During the winters, it's it's pretty much the the holiday parties, celebrations. But uh, for weddings, you know, I'm the, the busiest season, I would say, is like May through... October. October, really? Um, oh. Again, depending on how busy you are, um, I am. I'm pretty. I'm multiple events every weekend until the end of the year, um, and literally till the end of the year. The only Saturday I have off is Christmas Eve, and I have a client call here in about an hour uh, for 
The day before Christmas Eve. Yeah. Well, let's get you out of here. Uh, <laughs> with all that said, please do check him out. Uh, he's awesome, dude. He, just hearing from him, he does a lot of stuff that as I or my previous DJ company did not do. So he's definitely got, got you on the mind. Check him out, DJMass.com, DJ Mass Productions, Instagram, and Facebook. You can check us out if you really like this episode. Be sure to share with your friends. You can follow us at facebook.com forward slash the story Corey Rosen. That's C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N. Find us on Instagram. Find us on all streaming platforms. Just search the story Corey Rosen. You can, uh, if you really want to support us, you can buy our merchandise. We have stickers for sale and we have a hoodie that has the logo on the front and the first 50 guests, including DJ Mast, on the back. With all that said, all right, I'm gonna have to get a hoodie for that. Then. Yeah. <laughs> with with all that said, uh, please tune in tomorrow, and we're gonna have a dude uh, called Justin Angelo. He is from Key West, uh, a musician that's coming up, and I'm really excited to hear about what it's like down there. I'm sure it's hot and humid, and there's gators everywhere. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not as much in Key West, but they got a lot of sharks. Maybe they might have gators inside. Do they have inland? I, I'm I'm. Sh- Ooh, that's, that's another that's question. another conversation. That's another, another com- yeah. Gators. With, all, gators. With all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye bye.